Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell on this Thursday, the 9th of June, 2022. And as we move towards the end of yet another working week, I trust you and your sales team have been uh, enjoying some wins this week. And if not, certainly planting some seeds and building some momentum. They'll hopefully bear fruit in the ensuing months and certainly weeks, and in some cases, days, depending on how, uh, how many seeds you've planted, and certainly as we get towards the end of the financial year here in Victoria, in Australia, uh, planting those seeds, hopefully, many, many months ago to uh, reap the benefits as we lead into the end of the financial year. Because I know for many sales teams, the month of June is a manic, manic time, trying to get things over the line, trying to incentivize customers to get uh, the deals done. And sometimes the customers use the balance of power in their advantage to drive Better outcomes knowing that the sales teams who are looking after them need to get their numbers in and hence the balance of power can certainly be in the hands of the customer or the buyer. So uh, something to be aware of as we move towards the end of the financial year. Now, following on from the conversation we had last week in relation to account planning, I wanted to follow up with a further, I guess, podcast episode in relation to another aspect of this, which hopefully will be beneficial to you as a sales leader, but certainly for your sales team, when it comes to seeking to better understand your customer and certainly at a more of a macro level. Now, last week we spoke about, from an account planning point of view, the importance of knowing the people within the organization, both the formalized hierarchy within the organization, but also getting a sense of what is the informal hierarchy and developing a stakeholder map and being really clear on who are the key players within the organization, who reports to who, what role do they play in a decision, but certainly what sort of position do they hold right now in terms of are they an advocate, are they a detractor, are they neutral, or are they a raving fan, and who within the organization influences who, because often, certainly in big organizations, even though the hierarchy might have Joe reporting to Sally, there might be somebody in Sally's team who actually influences Sally more than anybody else, And so Sally relies on that person to, I guess, be a a sounding board or to get advice, which helps Sally make certain decisions. And if we as an account team looking after Sally and her team and certainly the organization are not aware of those relationships within the organization, then sometimes we can be gazumped because an internal influencer has greater influence than perhaps us as an account team trying to influence that organization. So doing this analysis and really building up a, a portfolio plan or an account plan for our portfolio, for our account, is fundamental to our long-term sustainable success. And I've seen many organizations fall over, many account teams fall over, certainly at the last minute when they think they've got a big deal about to fall over the line that gets gets gazumped internally by a, let's just say, a power broker, if you like, or a influencer who has trust within the organization who perhaps we have not covered, we've not taken care of, and hence all the good work that we've done gets undone by an internal person who is not necessarily an advocate. So doing that analysis is absolutely critical. And when I'm working with sales teams, it's it's often, many of them ask me, should I be doing this for every single organization that I manage? And I say, well, it depends. Certainly on the more strategic accounts, absolutely. But if you've got a portfolio of 100 accounts, 
certainly doing some detailed account planning for every single one is just an onerous amount of work. So the answer to that is no, you don't do it for every single one, but you do it on the ones that you believe are gonna be the most important ones, who you believe have the most opportunity, and it's worth doing the analysis to create that stakeholder map, and certainly the stakeholder analysis. Now, in today's episode, I wanted to talk about another element of that and lift a, I guess lift the analysis up a little bit and get a position where we can start to better understand the customer at a more macro level. So it's one thing to understand the key stakeholders. It's another thing entirely to understand the business. Now, what I've noticed over many years, and certainly back in the days when I was running sales teams, getting the account team to understand a lot about the business and the customer they were dealing with was often a challenge and not necessarily always their fault. I take a lot of responsibility for that, but also the organizations that we work for often need to take responsibility as well because a lot of the marketing they do, a lot of the selling strategies they put in place are geared around trying to retrofit their products and services into the customer and look at look at customers who, who we believe will be a great fit for our product and service. So we often tend to, as account teams, and certainly I did as a sales leader, look at a lot of our customers through the lenses of the products and services that we could provide or we believe the customer needed based on the features and benefits of the products and services that we had to offer. So what I learned uh, very quickly after having a number of uh, situations where we had misread the customers and tried to retrofit products and services and didn't get enough of an understanding of what the customer was actually looking for because we didn't develop an understanding of really what was the core the core crux of what the business was trying to achieve and what their core elements of their business was, uh, we had to change our approach. And, and changing our approach to now getting a better understanding of the customer and what makes the customer tick at a macro level paved the way for us to now have a look at that particular customer in a completely different light and not looking at it through the lenses of what products and services can we actually provide them. Now, I talk all the time about the fact that selling at its core is about problem solving and identifying what the problem is that a customer might have or perceive to have or they may not even think they have until they have a conversation with us. And it's only then when we can articulate that problem and then perhaps provide a solution or a bunch of solutions can we actually open the doors to an opportunity. Until that's done, there's no point in actually flogging a product because in most cases, the customer's going to turn around and say, hey, we don't need that, Not, not on our radar, not something that we're interested in. So from an account planning point of view, one of the things we introduced to a number of organizations many years ago was a macro, uh, uh, an account planning tool that enables an account team and certainly a sales leader to look through a number of different lenses at at a particular business, at a particular account, so that we get a better understanding of what makes this organization tick. So that when we add that to the stakeholder map and stakeholder analysis, we now get a a well-rounded picture of what's happening within this organization. And so from a solution perspective, we've now had to have a much better opportunity of customizing solutions to fit the nature of the business, but also the challenges of the business, but also the needs of the business, rather than being a product or service-led sales process. And so I wanted to introduce a concept today called the curiosity model, which is a model that we used many years ago, and when I was working at Rogen SI, we used this for a number of organizations that we trained from a selling and a sales leadership perspective, which helped them get a much better understanding of their accounts and pave the way for much better outcomes from when they're, when they're talking about their sales strategy. So their numbers went through the roof. And so the curiosity model is a great way to look at your customers from a different perspective. In fact, it gives you five different lenses that can increase our understanding of the customer's business and it's and the key caveat about this 
As I said before, it is not about the products and services that our organization can provide. It is purely about developing a deeper understanding of the business that our customer is engaged in. And if we can do that and separate ourselves from our products and services and remove some of the bias that we might have in relation to our products and services and place our emphasis and focus on developing a deeper understanding of the business that our customers are in, well, the natural consequence of that will be if we can identify and articulate problems, then they're going to ask for solutions to those problems. And guess what? Our products and services may well be just a perfect fit for those problems. So I wanted to share this today. And if you like a template, which is a the curiosity model template, then please send me an email at darren at darrenmitchell.com.au. I'd be more than happy to share that template with you. So the curiosity model has five key areas that we need to focus our attention on. And it starts with the customer's core business. So if you think about an organization like McDonald's as an example, if we were to selling, be selling into McDonald's, one of the first things to think about is, all right, what is McDonald's core business? And many people on the surface level will look at their core business and say, well, they sell hamburgers, they're a fast food outlet, etc., etc. Now that on the surface level at least may appear to be correct. But if you delve a little bit deeper in terms of what are some of the inputs, what are some of the strategies that they have they're actually in the real estate business and they happen to sell uh, hamburgers and wraps and coffee and all these other things, so fast food, right? But in terms of their core business, getting an appreciation of what their core business is and part of that is to think about what are some of the inputs that come into that core business in order for them to deliver on the outputs in terms of core business. So some of it might be if you're looking into things like supply chain, what are some of the core ingredients they need to bring in or the inputs in order for them to produce the fast food that they do? Now, from a real estate point of view, there's probably a whole host of other inputs and outputs in relation to that. But let's just stay on the surface level right now. If you're a supplier into McDonald's uh, and you wanted to break into their account and maybe you're a potato producer or something like that. So what are the inputs they need in order to produce uh, their products? Well, there's Obviously, potatoes, they've got packaging, they've got syrup, uh, they've got hamburgers, they've got uh, some the meat, their lettuce. There's all these different producers. So all the things that this business needs in order to do their core business, there's a lot of inputs that come into it so that they can create the output. And the output is the finished product. So if you think about your accounts that you're looking for, looking after and looking after and try to penetrate, what are what is your customer's core business? And in order for your customer's core business to be effective, what are some of the things they need as inputs, so what they bring into the organization that they need in order to produce the outputs so that their core business can be delivered. So that's the first thing, that center, that sits in the center of the curiosity model. What is the customer's core business? The next element to consider is the trading environment that your customer is actually operating in. So again, take McDonald's as an example. So what are some things that might be happening outside of McDonald's business that may have an impact on their ability to do business. So do they have issues such as, uh, well, there's there's been floods, there's been wars, there's been fires, there's been issues with supply chain, there's been COVID, and all of these things potentially are happening in the industry or the wider market, which does have an impact on their ability to trade. And that could have an impact on supply. It could also have an impact on their ability to maintain prices. And so one of the things I read yesterday, for example, was that in some areas of Australia, KFC have experienced a shortage of lettuce in relation to the burgers that they produce. And they've had to now revert to uh, using cabbage in their, in their burgers, in some of their burgers, which is not necessarily uh, favorable on behalf of the customers, but it's something that is actually impacting 
the trading environment of KFC, which does have an impact on their ability to deliver their core business. So there could be other things like regulatory issues, changes in government legislation, uh, interest rates may have actually changed. So all the things that potentially can happen in the environment in which this business actually trades that can have an impact on their ability to deliver on their core business. These are some of the things that we need to start considering and thinking about. So, uh, and unfortunately, too many account teams don't think about the trading environment that their customers operate in and some of the challenges that might be caused based on the operating environment that they have to deal with. And so the trading environment is the next core thing. The third element or the third lens is to think about the key people. Now we've already done some key analysis in terms of the stakeholder manager and the stakeholder map. I wanna go a little bit further on this and start to think about are there any people within the environment or are there any other key people within the business who we haven't necessarily covered and who we need to deal with? Are there also key people outside of their organization? And it might be industry consultants, it might be industry bodies, it might be uh, people who the CIO or the CEO is connected with in another organization who we don't know about yet, but have an ability to influence decisions based on the relationship that they have. So a classic example is a CIO uh, of one of my customers happened to be also a good mate and a golfing partner of a CIO of another organization and they were doing a lot of uh, conversations, having a lot of conversations, doing a lot of collaboration on the golf course, which had a detrimental impact on our ability to influence the CIO at this particular organization. Why? Because the other CIO had an experience with the organization that we were with that was not palatable. So we didn't, as an organization, deal with this particular organization in a professional way, did not provide the service that we needed, did not provide the products that they wanted, and hence the experience they had was leaving a, a bit of a sour taste in their mouth, just to say the least. And so what happened was the influence that this particular CIO had on my customer's CIO uh, made it a lot harder for us to get a deal across the line to the point where there was a lot longer sales cycle. Eventually we did get across the line, but it was something that we needed to be mindful of. So doing a, an analysis on key people who are outside the immediate realms of our customer, but who may have an influence on our customer is a key element to think about. Now, you're not always gonna know this sort of information, but uh, I guess through a and, and through the term of a curiosity model, it's exactly that. It's us being curious in terms of who are the people potentially who we need to know, who we don't know right now, who have the capacity to influence the key people within our organization and therefore impact the decisions they make. So thinking about the key people, not just within the organization, but also on the periphery of the organization and also external to the organization is, is something that as a great uh, exceptional sales team needs to maintain a level of curiosity around. So that's the third lens. The fourth lens is, and, and this one's a little bit easier because often we'll have conversations with our customers and we'll talk about the identified needs and the identified challenges and requirements. So what are the specific needs and specific problems that the customer has already identified right now that we can develop a deeper understanding around and then can therefore construct a, an appropriate proposal to meet the requirements and solve that particular problem or that particular challenge. So this one is, is for many case, in many cases, sales 101, because a lot of sales teams are really good at asking great questions and finding out and identifying what are the current needs that are on the table. And any organization that is worth their salt will, uh, will actually know what are some of the challenges. And often, as we know, buyers are a lot more educated today and they're doing a lot more research before they engage 
with potential suppliers and a lot of them know exactly what the needs are before they reach out and select their potential supplier. So that's that's a pretty easy one to do. The last lens though is a little bit more complicated and this is what separates the average sales teams from the exceptional sales teams. And this is where we're talking about created needs and created challenge. And what this requires is requires us as sales leaders and sales teams to bring qualified insights, maybe insights at an industry level, or it may actually be insights at a business level, it might be insights at their company level, that helps them articulate and uncover some needs, some problems that perhaps they didn't know they had prior to us having a conversation with them. Now, this this is something that needs to be uh, worked on a lot more, and, and something that requires a lot of lot more deeper thought, a lot more deeper analysis, to try and think about what are the what are the coming trends in this particular business, what are the coming trends in the industry, what are some of the things we need to be mindful of that we can almost almost foresee that if the customer doesn't uh, do something to alleviate a potential concern that they don't even know they have right now, then it's going to have detrimental impact on their business to the point where they look at us as being not so much the savior, but certainly the provider of a solution to that particular problem. So this one's the most challenging one of all of the five lenses, and that is really thinking about based on an understanding of the industry uh, and a reading of the industry in terms of what are some potential challenges and issues that the customer didn't even know they had prior to having a conversation with us. Now, if you can do that, then all of a sudden you will differentiate yourself against any other organization that's trying to flog a product or a service into your customer because they're now going to see you in a more strategic light. So that's the fifth lens. So the curiosity model, again, is a, is a really good macro tool to develop a much deeper understanding of your customer. It's not about your products and your services. It's about developing that deeper understanding of your customer's business and thinking about those five lenses. What is the core business that they operate? What are some of the inputs and outputs they have as part of that core business? What's happening in their trading environment that often they have no control over but does have an impact on their ability to develop solutions or to conduct their core business? Who are the key people both within the organization and outside the organization who have the capacity to influence the key decision makers that we have identified in our key stakeholder map? And what are the identified needs that the business has right now, but also what are some of the created needs and challenges that we can bring to the table based on a conversation and bringing insights to the table. So if we as account teams can actually structure our, our account planning and really dial in on de- developing a deeper analysis of our customer based on using these five lenses, I guarantee you're going to separate yourself from every other account team in the industry and you're going to put yourself uh, much higher in the pedestal and the pecking order when it comes to being able to develop solutions and certainly deliver value to your customers. So again, if you like a copy of the Curiosity Model template, happy to provide that. Simply send me an email Darren at darrenmitchell.com.au and I'll be more than happy to share that. Also happy to have a conversation about it should you wish to. So I trust that helps. I trust that puts another piece of the puzzle together in relation to account planning. I do want to talk about one final topic tomorrow around what makes your customers attractive and what are some of the triggers we need to be aware of that we might be able to help them to make them more attractive. So I look forward to sharing with you on that conversation tomorrow. But of course, as a reminder, if you'd like some help Uh, and working together one-on-one and helping you become an exceptional sales leader in the process, helping your team drive those exceptional results. Love the opportunity of working with you and helping you do that. So I'd love to have a conversation. Simply go to my calendar at leadwithdarren.com. Pick a time, we'll jump on Zoom, have that conversation, put a plan together, which may include 
an account plan template. It might include the curiosity model and we can get working together as early as this week or early next week. So look forward to that conversation and certainly look forward to sharing with you on the next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.